Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Picture Perfect, a movie podcast discussing reviews, news, everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Bobby Gross, and I'm alongside... Your other host, Michael Batista. How you doing, Bobby? Also known as The Animal. The Animal to the Some. The Animal Mike Batista. The Animal to Some, yes. yes. If you If you know me that well. You have to be very close to Mike. You have to uh, work with him in a playground for about three years, or just know him from going to select shows. NXT shows, select NXT and eating shows. barbecue. Yes. So uh, we're here. We're doing a podcast, one of millions out there about movies. But this is something that we've been talking about for a while, Mike. Yeah, you really got me back into. You really got me into going to movies frequently. It yeah. used to just be like a casual. Ooh, I like to want to go see that. Go there, and you really got me into going to seeing everything, especially with AMC A list. So, which has been a savior for us. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I would not be doing this many movies if it wasn't for that. And it's as it's like a buffet. At a certain point, you're making money instead of like losing it. You know. And also, you know, we when we were working together, or even before that, when we were just hanging out, we would always have these kind of deep dives into movies and give our thoughts about them. So. I figure why not put it to audio, let other people listen, and maybe we can, uh, you know, bring some, uh, I don't know. Discourse. Discourse to movies that maybe aren't always have a light on them. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we're not going to be doing big blockbusters every week. Sometimes we'll do the smaller movies, especially towards the end of the year when it becomes award season, and you get these small films that... You'll hear about it next year when Academy Award nominations come around, but maybe you'll hear about them for the first time on this show, which is one of the goals, I would think. I would think so, too, especially with your taste of movies and right. like your just complete deep dive into it. Yeah. There's going to be times where you see stuff, and I would love to see you just trying to explain it to me and hook me on it. Yeah, you, and- see, you see some uh, really wild uh, independent films. Uh, I... I- I watch too many movies. That's that's what it is, and essentially. Like I remember you telling me about the lobster, and I go, "Yeah, it's great movie." And I go, "You like this movie?" He goes, "Yeah," and you went, "Yeah," and I go, "You just explained the you explained the plot without spoiling it," and I was just kind of okay. It's it's that movie especially is very trippy, but that's the thing though because now that we have this kind of platform, I don't have to just tell you about these movies. We can. That could be one of the reviews that we do on the show. Oh, yeah. We can bring attention to it uh, to whoever's listening right now. It might be nobody. Who knows? This might be a flop. Throw a bottle in the ocean, see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. This is like uh, putting a little message in there, seeing if anybody sh- finds it years later. Yeah. But, uh, so what we're trying to do on this podcast, uh, we'll... Most weeks, we're going to have at least one big review of a newer movie... Uh, sometimes if there's not really anything coming out, we'll, uh, maybe review a classic movie, maybe one that's smaller that has come out that, you know, not too many people have talked about, or we'll do what we're doing today, which is a list. So today we're doing the top 10 favorite movies of the year so far. It's as of recording, it is July 13th. So we're about halfway through a little bit halfway through the year and, uh, Going over these lists, it seems like there's a big differential in movies that uh, we've both seen as far as numbers-wise, yeah. uh, but that's the thing. With this show now, Mike will see more. I'll see the, probably the same amount, but you know, Mike 
If there's so, ever a point where I see more than you, there's a problem. There is a problem. Yeah. Right so, now, so, I... I've, so, you, yeah. how many movies have you seen so far this year? This year, I've seen 38 movies. Okay. Now, that's that's just newer releases. Yeah. Uh, you know, I try to watch as many movies during the week as I can. Yeah. But uh, for newer releases, I have 38 last year. I believe I was just shy of 100. I hit about 98. So I'm a little behind right now. I'm a little disappointed in myself. You'll, you'll pick it up. I'll pick it up eventually, especially you know towards the end of the year, with, yeah. like I said, with awards movies. But Mike, Mike how many uh, movies have you seen this I've year? I've seen 11 movies. 11, 11 movies. movies. Uh, originally, when I was, I just started with Letterboxd, yeah. uh, which... Uh, for some reason, they had a HBO miniseries on this. Originally, I had Chernobyl on there, but I'm like, you know what? That that shouldn't count, even though it's amazing. Uh, so I'll just take that off the list. I've seen in total eleven movies, uh-huh. and I've of those eleven movies, I've only seen one I consider bad. So that that's a good ratio. Yeah, but that's the thing when we because those are movies for the most part that we went to together. Yeah, I would rarely go to a movie that I know is going to be bad. I'd rather not waste my time. See, with that's the difference between you and me. It's like, if I had a group of friends and we wanted to have a good time, I could totally see of saying, let's go see the Emoji movie. That's true. And now with the podcast, that might happen more often. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe we need to break up uh, the great movies that we review on here with a real stinker. <laughs> let's. Hey, I got an idea. Let's go. It's like, I got a great idea. Let's go see this A star, this A-plus classic and after go see Pixels. Yeah. So... That could happen here. We might get some real stinkers eventually. Yeah. But for now, uh, we're and like we said, we're doing a top ten, so it might have seen 11 movies. So, you know, take the, the bottom five, maybe, or bottom few with a grain of salt because they might not be that great. But just because, you know, you've only seen 11, it might not uh, meet the standards of what the, a top the ten way, usually is. The way is. I put it was like, uh, I my list is pretty much from great to okay. Right. It's not from like great to bad because I, like I said most movies I've seen with you so the ones I haven't seen with you are ones that were we both saw independently because they were like top tier yeah um and of that like there are two animated movies in this in the top 10 and like three superhero movies so yeah. like you know there are a lot of the general ones and we'll be getting to that shortly but uh what we we're gonna try to do when we open the show is talk about the news of the week uh, and there was not too much going on. We have a few stories, and we'll start off with uh, what I think is the biggest story, uh, which was the new Mulan trailer, which is one of the uh, latest Disney live-action remakes of one of their classic movies. Live-action. This one's actually live-action. This action. is live-action. The movie that we'll actually be reviewing next week, which is The Lion King, is also one of the uh, newer remakes, which is arguably not live-action. It's, it's still animated. Well, they took It's shots. not like the Jungle Book, where yeah. there was Mowgli, and everything else was CG. Yes. This is, from what I understand... The and trees what I, may be live action. Maybe, but even that, I, I would... I wouldn't think so. I have no idea. I'm I'm calling it an animated movie still, but... Ever since The Good Dinosaur, it just seems like animated movies look... The backgrounds can look so real. So, it's like, true. who knows? And this is... And what The Lion King is going for is the photorealistic kind of yeah. uh, look for it. But that's next week. We'll get into that uh, in the next episode. I but really don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> I, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yes, Mulan. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but we just watched the Mulan trailer. I had watched it before. Mike didn't see it. We don't know what we thought of it. Uh, so, Mike, 
your thoughts on this new Mulan movie that will be dropping next year. So, I've always liked Mulan. It's one, of the, but it's not one of my top Disney movies. It's just like a solid movie. It's not one that I saw a lot as a kid, but I can appreciate as an adult. And that movie was kind of later in the Disney Renaissance yes. in the '90s, right? It was along the lines of Hercules and Tarzan, like the late. Late 90s, right? Yeah, I exactly. Like so 96 like, or something like and that? And I grew up with the stuff that was, you know, before that, like, uh, 101 Dalmatians, Lion King, Lion King, even, you know, Little Mermaid when I was on. Um, of course, and Aladdin. Aladdin. Which we missed. That would have been interesting to review, even though you you haven't seen it, right? I only saw, like, the last 30 minutes because mm-hmm. I was waiting for a movie to start. I was like, I want to see how bad this looks. And I was like, oh, Jafar is awful. But anyway, so Mulan, to me, seems like of... The classic Disney movies, and when I say classic, the ones like the classic animated ones. Mm-hmm. Mulan seems like the best fit for live action, in my opinion, because yeah. there's so many battle scenes. It's very grandiose. It could be a musical. It mm-hmm. just seems like there's a lot of character development. There's a lot of area for it to be live action. Right. That being said, um, when I saw the trailer, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not hating this. Um, I'm just wondering that, and I, I saw the back, not backlash, I saw the, the discourse from it. I know I said mm. the word before, but I mean, I saw people on social media discussing it, how there's no Mushu, and how there's no this or that, and... And also there's, uh, it's not gonna be musical, apparently, it's gonna, all the music from the original movie is gonna be instrumental, it's gonna be score. It's the, you're not gonna see Mulan breaking out into song, I don't think. That's that's what I think has been confirmed. Uh, so you're not going to have that kind of musical element. See, then it's not it's not even a remake to me. Then it seems like it's you're it's, it's you're, like a reboot. It's like a reimagining. Reimagining, reboot. sure, yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna say this probably is the best chance to be a decent movie. But the problem with all these remakes is that they the only if you took away their original movie, they're pretty shallow because like if you look at uh, the last thirty minutes I saw Aladdin. Yeah, I can instantly tell you that the songs that came up they were like re- they were redone, mm-hmm. but then in the background and also that newer Jasmine song. Yes, but in the background is the original score. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you're tapping into the feelings of the movie that I saw as a child and loved it, yeah. but you're also doing your own thing. But if you, but if you took away the fact that like you. If you took away the fact I saw that movie as a child yeah. and like I, that music to me was neutral, I would just say four or five out of ten. Yeah. But like now I'm invested, and it's just that I bring that emotional attachment yeah. to the movie. So if you're gonna say Mulan's gonna have not gonna have the the mascot character, and it's not gonna have the musical aspects, it's just gonna be straight story. And the story is pretty good in Mulan. Yeah. Of I'm, I'm gonna yeah. say like that's good. That's good. That's probably depending on how it turns out, bare minimum it could be a six out of ten. But if you're adding in like the background music of I'll Make a Man Out of You, it's like, okay, you might now jump to a seven unnaturally. Just because you have those memories of watching it as a kid and bring it, and it kind of rushes back to you even though you're not seeing it in the same situation. You're still hearing that familiar music that you've been hearing all of these years later after the movie was released. Yeah, you're not seeing a movie point blank. You're not getting it naturally. You're pretty much going to feel that it's something else you you could be watching something and just feel it's something else yeah and you might need to like take a step back and like reevaluate it and mm-hmm. that's some that's why i think especially when you told me it's not gonna be a musical but it's gonna be in the background i feel like that's gonna kick even more now so you're you're positive on the on the trailer for the most part i think that it looks good like from the 
20, the what 45 minutes I saw of it, like the 45 seconds to a minute I saw of it, it looks very well acted. It looks very well choreographed. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I feel like this is the best chance they have to do live action just because right. like it's better than a 101 like CGI Dalmatians or uh, sure or uh, which they're also uh, doing a Cruella Deville movie. Yeah. Shortly, they already With did Emma Stone. They already did a live action remake of Wonder One Dalmatians like they years did. ago. So they close. can't, they can't do it again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um. I I think that this is. I would see this in theaters and yeah. not feel bad about it like I would if I was to go see Lion King or Aladdin. Where I'm like, well, get ready, buddy. We're seeing Lion King next week. So <laughs> when we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know. I really like this trailer, and the big problem that I've had with these live-action remakes is they don't really do anything different from the originals, the original uh, animated films. You know, there there's certain aspects to the movies that they change, but overall it seems like... Uh, I'm I'm not gonna say that they're cash grabs because literally every movie is a cash grab. The 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 uh, every film's objective is to make all, money. They're all money makers. What they want the the, the uh, studios want these movies to be. They don't want to lose money. So I'm not gonna say that these movies are cash grabs, but I would call them shallow for the most part. There's not much in them that uh, is creatively different from the original. So. Which was my biggest problem uh, with Aladdin. I felt like <clears throat> it was very similar to the original, but then sprinkled in a few new things and then changed others that didn't work. And just some of it just doesn't translate to live action. No. It, it's it's things like... that you can get away with in animated films that you can't get away with in live action that Disney still puts in the live-action movies that just turn me off to it. There are three main aspects of that movie right away that, like, don't translate. It's the magic carpet, it's the animals, and it's the genie himself. Exactly. it's like, none of those things work well in live-action. And what I like about this Mulan trailer is, number one, I don't mind that they're getting rid of the music. You can make it score. I don't mind that. I don't need Mulan breaking out into song. I don't need the classic songs from the original to be in this uh, movie sung. I like it being score. And this really comes off as like an epic war movie, which I really like. We don't see that from Disney a lot uh, or ever. I don't was, remember. Was the, did they do last time? They did the Tom Cruise movie, didn't they? Which one? Didn't they do the Tom Cruise movie with uh, him in Field Japan? Like Last Samurai? No, that wasn't Disney. That wasn't Disney? No, that was, that was some... I, that might have been Universal or something like that. But I don't remember any kind of live action war movie from Disney. Uh, off the top of my head, maybe one of you guys can correct me, but I really like this trailer. I hope it's... Because people are going to complain, right? They're complaining about Mushu, like you said, that he's not going to be in this movie. They're complaining it's not going to be a musical. I don't mind that. I welcome that. I want a different movie from the animated one, because if I wanted to see the animated movie... I would just watch it. I don't need everything to be translated into live action. That's a very fair point. And because what 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 comes of that? Like what what's the big uh draw to it? Just seeing actual people Same. doing the the stuff that you saw in cartoon form, like I don't see the appeal. Like also you've with some of these remakes, they've redone the music a bit. Too, yeah. So it's like not the same and people complain about that. It's like go, okay, we're just gonna cut the music. And I'm you know, we'll see what happens with that. I mean I still love those songs, but I mean, yeah. I can go 
watch that movie anytime I want. Yeah. I guess, you know, this could be a totally different thing, an epic war movie. Exactly. But at the same time, you really think they're going to jump this to PG-13? I think they will. There's no way you can do this movie at PG. There's no way. And I'll I'll say this is the first Disney live action movie that, uh, or remake, that I'm looking forward to in in pretty much dating back to like Alice in Wonderland. I think that would be like their first live action remake that they've done. I would say this is the one. Is that before 101 Dalmatians? Yeah. Oh, no, after. Okay. Alice in Wonderland was about uh, 2010. Yeah, I was going to say, the 101 thing that was super weird was like yeah. early 2000s. So, uh, I'm positive on this. Yeah. It seems like you're pretty positive. You'll wait and see. I have more Optimistic. hope for it. Optimistic would be the right word. Uh, we also got some Space Jam 2 news. Mm. Uh, Don Cheadle joining the cast in, a, in the mystery role. Uh, it's been uh, reported that uh, alongside LeBron James, who will be the Michael Jordan of this sequel... Uh, you're going to have Anthony Davis, I believe, in this movie. You're going to have a few other, uh, I think, Clay Thompson well, is going to be in here. You know how, like, the original, like, you know how the five main stars, besides Michael Jordan, the five basketball stars who get their talent stolen in the first movie, only reason they were in that movie is because they're all, they, they all had the same agents. Yeah. And so... So that's pretty much what's going on here. Even though there are better players to do, I'm pretty sure it's probably the same sort of thing of, like, who's LeBron friends with and who's got the same or close to same agents. Right. And we don't have any uh, plot details yet. We don't know if this is actually going to be like a direct sequel, if uh, you know the first one will be mentioned, or if it's kind of like uh, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, where you you got Robin Williams' character like a little Easter egg in there, and it's not really connected to the original. Uh, but this could be a direct sequel somehow. Robin, Maybe, Robin Williams' character was in Jumanji. In, yeah, the original Jumanji. Yeah, when, it was a little mention of his character. Oh, he wasn't in it, but that's it, right. they mentioned the character. That's right. But it's not it's not really directly linked yeah. to the original. So that might be the direction they take Space Jam two in. I like the original Space Jam. Granted, uh, I've watched it in recent years, and it doesn't really hold up as well as I thought. I mean, Michael Jordan's just a terrible actor. He's not a good actor. But, He's a terrible actor. Yeah, but it's a terrible fun. baseball player. Terrible baseball player, terrible actor, but it's a fun movie. So I, you know, people might have a real attachment to the original yeah. that they don't want to see the sequel. I don't mind. Um, this is the, uh, to be perf- perfectly honest. Uh, when I used to go on like car trips, I remember specifically when my brother and sister were looking at colleges, and I had to go up and down the East Coast to stuff, and we drove. I would have like a little TV in the back seat, and I would it would a VHS player, and I would watch Space Jam a bunch. And, like, a bunch of my movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will tell you right now that I have fond memories of Space Jam because my father and I watched it together. And we it was it was that mix of stuff my father could relate to and mm-hmm. stuff that I liked. You know, yeah. when uh, Bill Murray just comes out. And, oh, yeah, Bill and Murray's like, great. And, like, it's very cheesy and very just, like, on the nose. My father and I, my father loved it and because of that, I loved it. I love Wayne Knight in that movie, too. Yes, he's great. Newman. He's, he's, he's so awesome. good. The monsters. And you know what's crazy too is I, I'm pretty sure that Space Jam like got released in like ninety three or ninety four. So that's kind of like I, I was born in ninety four, but that was that movie wasn't made for us. And somehow years later when we come to this movie, it still holds up even well, though it seems like a little uh at the time it's more like uh directed towards the kids who are growing up with, like, Michael Jordan, the Nike commercials it's and stuff, perfectly, too. With, and the Looney Tunes. Because it's based off commercial, I think it really hits the 90s. Like It's, it's definitely niche. a time capsule of the and, 90s. And even if you're, like, the 90s are now coming back to being cool. 
But like, yeah. and like, or no, they've been back being cool, and now we're going to the early 2000s being cool again. But like, still not as much as I expected, though. We're still stuck in like the 80s and the 90s. I'm waiting for the 2000s to, to think, really hit our sweet spot. Yeah, we're having this weird, weird. Uh, we're in this weird place as a society where what's nostalgic because Minecraft's nostalgic, but who knows? Like, it's just everything's coming back in this weird pattern. Yeah, but anyway, it's a cycle. Yeah, but I mean, with Space Jam itself, it's it's timeless. It's a time capsule, but it's also Bugs Bunny and like Warner Brothers cartoons, where it's like also not just nineties. That's mm-hmm. like early animation and like classic animation. Then you have sports, which is kind of timeless. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of right. all time. If this was about like uh Patrick Ewing, it wouldn't be as like timeless in my opinion. Yeah, nobody would know Patrick Ewing. The kids at least the kids today, like generally Yeah. They wouldn't know who Patrick Ewing is if he was in this new movie. So I think that because it's LeBron James, it's he is Who isn't I, I would say he's, he's not, not as big as as Michael Jordan back then. No, he's not. He there there's always the comparison of Michael Jordan Jordan and in LeBron general, James, yeah. and I don't think that I personally don't think that LeBron's at Michael Jordan's hero immortal level. Mm-hmm. He's just very good and will always be remembered. It's like Sandlot: heroes get remembered, legends never die. But like, yeah. I do not think that this movie will have the same effects as the first one, just because it's not going to have that kind of cultural impact. It's not going to have the cultural impact unless they. Because when you try and thing, when you try worry. and like when you try and have something as a time capsule of the two thousands, it comes off as very cringy to me. Sure. But if you have it, but like when the nineties did it unintentionally, it was mm. great. But when you try and make it like make it resonate in the two thousands, it, it feels like it gets outdated very quickly. And that might just because as a society, we're like going very quickly through the motions. And also, how how do you make this movie a time capsule? Is like Bugs Bunny gonna floss? Like what? What? What, what would they happen. possibly do? Because I, I think this is coming out next year. So let's say in twenty twenty. Well, like what? What are the aspects of today's culture that would possibly be in this movie that would like, uh, kind of years from now you'd say, oh yeah, that was that was a thing that people used to do. Vine slash TikTok, maybe. Um, maybe. And also, do, do people watch? Do kids watch Looney Tunes anymore? Um, is that a thing? There's or is it, there was did a re- it stop with there, us. There was a reboot of Looney Tunes called the Looney Tunes Show that Cartoon Network did, and it was actually very. It was actually pretty good. It, it was very underrated. I suggest you watch it if okay. you haven't seen it. It's um, and that was good, but I feel like a lot of people who I see talk about it are our age. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like how they keep trying to do Scooby Doo, and they keep sure. trying to make new Scooby Doo's. Yeah. The kids watch Scooby Doo anymore. I don't know. I'm they not keep in touch making with the kids. new versions, and so, but those new versions only last a couple seasons, and it's like that's gone. So, it does something, but then again, you see things like Teen Titans Go, which mm-hmm. like is just pounding out like new episodes, yeah. and, a and, movie and then they had the music. movie, yeah. Last so year. it's like. I think that Looney Tunes will have a place with kids because they'll know it and mm-hmm. like maybe their parents will talk to them about it, but at the same time it's not it's not what's theirs. It's right. like how it's like how our parents might have grown up with Mickey Mouse but not um his original version like sure. uh, I quite can't remember the name of, you know. So it'll be interesting. I mean, but are you are you excited for Space Jam 2? I mean, I'm not. I'm less excited about. Or are you, are you, let me rephrase that. Not necessarily excited. Are you against it? I'm not against it, just because I'm not gonna gatekeep Space Jam. I have bigger <laughs> hills. To, yeah, I have bigger hills to gatekeep. Yeah, 
bigger, bigger hill, hill, hills to die on. I exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Space Jam is not the place I need to, like, waste my time on. I'll see it. It'll be fun. I, I will. I, I think it'll yeah, be fun. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that'll be it for the news. Uh, and, uh, just in general, we're gonna plug a couple things right now. We're working on getting on iTunes. Uh, right now, you'll probably be hearing this on YouTube. Uh, that'll, it'll go up there first. Uh, we're working on getting an RSS feed, and it'll be up on iTunes, hopefully Spotify as well, maybe even Stitcher. Um, definitely keep, uh, keep track of us, uh, uh, all these updates on our social media pages. You can find us, uh, Picture Perfect on Facebook. On Twitter, we are at PickPerfectCast. Uh, you can find all of the updates on there. We'll always let you know uh, episodes coming out, uh, if we're recording or not, the topics of the following episode. So always uh, like those pages, follow us on there, and uh, keep track of what we're doing here. And hopefully you enjoy uh, you enjoying the show so far, right? I mean, I think we're doing think pretty we're, all right. I think we're do- it's not a train wreck. No, it's not a train wreck. And also, I, I was going to mention that you know LeBron James actually really good in train wreck. See, he's so, a better, he's a better actor than Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think definitely. it's probably because that I honestly think it's just because he's a better human being. Because mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, he's not the best person. Kind of a shithead. He kind of yes, kind <laughs> of. Uh, whereas LeBron James, when you see him doing a commercial, it's not just it's not like Michael Jordan was always Michael Jordan in commercials yeah. and stuff. LeBron James, he can be the guy in Trainwreck, he can be the guy in Sprite commercials, he can be the kid carrying his PS2 to go play GTA Vice City in hotel rooms. That's true. He's, like, very much a... He's more relatable. ...multi-dimensional person and, like, relatable. So now, guys, we're going to shift into our main topic of this episode, our top ten movies of the year so far. Like I said... We're in January. Uh, January. We're definitely not in January. We're in July. I've seen one movie so far this year. January. Well, that's true. Uh, and uh, so what we're gonna do here is we're both gonna go back and forth. We're gonna go ten through eight, and then we'll each give our ten through eights. We'll go seven to five, and then we'll go individually uh, from the top five. Okay. So ten to eight, seven to five, and then four, three, two, one individually. So, Mike, if you want to start us off, what is your uh, number 10? So, my number 10 was Fighting With My Family, the Paige biopic that WWE released earlier this year uh, and has been promoting for, I want to say, almost a year because of how uh, movies work and how WWE as a company works. When one of their stars is doing something, they let everyone know about it, and they say, hey, guess what? The Rock is funding this movie about one of our people. So, we saw this together, Mm -hmm. and... As someone who is a wrestling fan and as someone who was a wrestling fan during the peak of Paige, the wrestler, and sort of, like, saw her go downhill. Yeah. Uh, for well, she's fo- retired now, isn't she? She's, she's forced out of competition in WWE. Right. If she goes somewhere else, like, maybe they'll clear her, but, like, you know. It's kind of like the Daniel Bryan situation. Exactly. That's kind of giving her hope, Where too. he was uh, on the shelf for a while with that concussion. She, she wants to just be on the shelf, but, like... We'll see what happens with that. But anyway, with that, um, I I'm not the biggest Paige fan. I like her, mm-hmm. but I there were other wrestlers I liked more than her. I did like her theme though. Uh, but, like her theme was killer. But when I saw this, I was kind of expecting a meh five out of ten movie, just because that's what WWE Studios does. Mm-hmm. Like even their best movie, Marine One, is like a seven out of ten. It's it's a good movie, but it's so cheesy that it's good. Mm-hmm. And when I going into this, I didn't have high hopes. And 
when I was watching it, there were so many parts of just maybe it's because I'm a wrestling fan of uh, that took me out of it really, where it's the wrestler like where it just be in story where it's why are you doing this? Like they, this is so stupid that you're doing this. They they also take liberties with exactly. The story. Yeah. And then there's other parts where it's like she's training with three other women who are deliberate caricatures of other wrestlers, mm-hmm. but that doesn't sync up in the timeline. Yeah, because at the point that they're saying, oh, well, she was with Becky or this girl that's totally supposed to be Charlotte Flair. No, she wasn't, because Charlotte Flair was younger than her, right. and didn't start till she got onto the main roster. But the layperson who saw that movie, they would have no idea. Exactly. Cause so NXT, it's, it's, yeah. you're bringing your bias to the movie, which obviously isn't a bad thing, yeah. but you don't uh, enjoy it as much because you do know what actually happened. Yeah, and then there was also the parts where it's like, they film at WWE Raw to film like a certain part, and I'm like looking in the crowd and I see Enzo shirt. Seth Rollins solo shirt. Yeah. Uh, it's just all, like, totally time desync. And I'm like, that's just a little thing. But it was still a good movie. It was a good movie. It's the, just a little by the book, too. A little by the book. The acting, like, there were very good actors in that movie. There was also, like, of course, they have the friend that's blind. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta have, like... Why not? The the token disabled kid. Of course. Um, But <laughs> overall, good act, Like, de- good acting story was just by the book. And, like, there were things that desynced me. So I was like... Yeah, I gave it like a five or six out of ten. I wouldn't I, see it again. What I what I uh, got a kick out of the most out of that movie is when they do the end credits and they give you an update on ev- where everybody is, and they go like, "Cause The Rock is in it," and they give this whole thing about, "Oh, Dwayne went on to he's uh, become one of the biggest uh, movie stars in Hollywood," and it's like, "No shit." <laughs> We're it's, it's everybody very, knows about The Rock. You don't very, have to give an update like, on The Rock. I almost feel like that was an in-joke that made it to the of course. movie. Well, his production company also yeah. uh, was involved in the movie. So. He's also in, like, three scenes. Yeah. And, like, I understand he was just, like, the producer. Was he the producer? Or something? He was one of the producers, It's yeah. like him and Steven Merchant. So, I'm like, it's the Merchant's in the movie, too. Yeah. Like him, I really wanted more from him because I love the Ricky Gervais show podcast. Yeah. And I really wanted more from it. It turns out his wife was, like, the big, like, his on-screen wife was funnier. I'm like... Mm. Oh, you could have been so good. Yeah. But anyway, okay movie. What won't good see Good movie, it. just... Uh, just, yeah, that's what... One-time one watch. And that's the kind of level you're going to get with my top ten. Cause I For now. Seen, yeah. Well, like, you know, you're going to get from this point on. Like, yeah. this point low to better. All right, Mike, what's your number nine? My number nine is John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Yeah. Uh, I was very disappointed by this movie. We had a big conversation about this movie. Again, if we had started this podcast... Maybe a month or two ago, if I wasn't, we would have had a unbelievable recorded discussion about this movie because I have a lot of thoughts. If I that. wasn't your pinch hitter, like this would have been a very big, better discussion. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 definitely I, I was I was disappointed in it too, but see, it's still again it's a another good movie, but yeah. it just doesn't like rock your socks off. Exactly the uh, the way I describe it to you is that it felt like filler content. Yeah, it does. Every John Wick movie has a antagonist in it that's specific for that movie, and you know the first one it's the Russian mafia, like the head boss and the kid and his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the second one, I forget his name, but it's the dude who he has the blood packed with. Yeah. Um. In this movie, everyone is John Wick's antagonist. And maybe you could say the high table is his antagonist, mm-hmm. or the like. But he doesn't kill the high table in this movie. And like, can I spoil? 
Uh, yeah, a spoiler alert, maybe a fast forward about 20 seconds. Go go, go well, ahead. We'll, we'll give you gonna, a warning now, I'm but it's been say, out like, for a while. He doesn't kill any of the bad, like, direct bad people in this movie. Everyone he kills in this movie is someone who, who's, or henchman in the moment. Yeah. And except for, like, the sushi guy. Because that's kind like, of yeah. That's he was like, he was probably that's, the that's main like, antagonist of the ones that he actually fought. Like he's the logic of this movie, or yeah. not logic. Um, who was the rapper who was in the last movie? Who was like, oh, uh, common. He was the common in this yeah. movie, and or the um or the Ruby Rose. Sure. And both of those people did it better than the last. He's like one. the spotlighted henchman, but not the the main villain. And I hated his character arc where he went from uh like scary to nerd boy, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't oh. really like that either. I mean, I get you trying to do something different, but now he's just a goober, goober to me. Yeah. But anyway, like, end of spoilers, he just, it felt like I could totally skip this movie, and I could, like, if you end John Wick 2, yeah. and if you go to John Wick 4, and you say, six months later, I sure. feel like I wouldn't have missed anything. Well, also, not to spoil it, but there is a big thing that happens at the end that I don't think either of us liked, the the a certain betrayal. See... It's not that I didn't like that. I personally didn't like it. I didn't like it, but I'd be fine with it if there was no four. Sure. I feel like that would have been a much big. It would have done way more world building for me, and I would have said if John Wick actually died. Yes, and that um, would have been the end of the the franchise, or they they do a spinoff series. It would have said to me that like how unforgiving this world is. You sure. can't trust anybody. Yeah. Like the first movie has that like the opposite direction where um where What's his name? Um, uh, Green Goblin. Uh, um, Goblin. But uh, what's his? The actor who is Green Goblin in Spider-Man One, who whose name is slipping my mind. Uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, where he's supposed to kill John Wick in the first movie. Yeah. But in the end, his emotions get better when he helps him, yeah. and that cost me. Life. In this movie, if it was John Wick trusts this person and he betrayed him, mm-hmm. and that's how it ends, it'd be like. It wouldn't be directly correlated, but it would just yeah. show the different ways this world works. But now it's just like, now you've just set up who the antagonist is in the next movie, yeah. or who the final boss is in the next movie. It's just like... It's it's I very clear that, that uh, they're continuing this franchise. Yeah, and I'm kind of upset by that because like the action in this movie wasn't as gripping to me as the last few. Yeah. And also, it just felt like they relied too much on shock jumps, like, gore to me. Mm-hmm. Where there was too many scenes where it was just like, like, it made me jump back. Here's what I'll say. You watch maybe the first 25 minutes of this movie, right up until that la- the the knife fight between uh, Wick and the other two guys. The 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 Asian henchman. Yeah, and it, in it, it goes downhill after that for me. But it's still, again, good movie... Uh, for me, it's definitely my least favorite of the uh, the three. Oh yes. So uh, yeah. So that's your number nine. That's my number nine. It was number number it was eight. A six out of ten, something like that. Six, six, yeah, six, six, six or right. seven. That's six. about right. I, um, I would probably give it that too. Um, number eight. Number eight was Captain Marvel. Okay, that's actually my number nine. So we'll discuss this together. All right. So Captain Marvel to me, I actually only saw it the week I saw Avengers Endgame to catch up. To catch up because I'd never seen it. I was like, you know what. Me and Bob, Bobby got me this midnight ticket for for Avengers Endgame. I did. I need to... I, I can't go in missing a movie. Because I had done a whole Avengers catch-up, like, over the summer yeah, using... Yeah, you sure did. And, I, like, every day I'd, I'd watch another part of the um, MCU. And that's about, like, 20 movies right there. Yeah, and it was... And so, like, 
I the only movie I haven't seen still is like the original Hulk because I feel like uh, I just I need to see the last credit scene and they change actors. Sure, yeah, and you, don't, seen, you don't really have to. And deal we with need. That. I know how Hulk works. I'd like ooh bomb makes guy big green. But anyway, um, I see Captain Marvel, and. I already had heard it was kind of mediocre, but I could... There was also a big backlash before the movie because of some stuff that, uh, what's her name said, um, Brie Larson, she had made some comments about, you know, you know, all the the males uh, getting all uptight about it. And the thing is, I kind of went into it thinking that maybe, maybe this is like Black Panther. Yeah. Where there's, it's going to be a mediocre movie, like an okay movie. Not me. Black Panther was okay. It was mediocre. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. Um, I really like Black Panther, and it I was, get, but it. it got elevated for things that were not very for villain. for not for me and like very very cultural. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe that's what Captain Marvel's going to be. Maybe it's supposed to be this pretty good okay movie that like will be put on a bigger pedestal. But then I realized, wait, Wonder Woman hit that spot. What's this movie going to be? Yeah. And then I went to see. It and I was like, it was just forgettable because you have. Captain Marvel, who is the most OP superhero mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And I'm supposed to invest in this person, and I'm supposed to see her come back to Earth, like, realize what's going on here, realize there's a, something going on behind the scenes, yeah. see the main villains start to become the allies. All the while, I, mostly, I just care about Nick Fury. Sure. And I'm like... You, I, I just kind of went into it... Come, come, I just came out of it thinking... I only cared about Nick Fury because she literally at the end does the Simpsons, My I have to go, my plant needs me, and then leaves and she's out of the MCU until it's plot convenient. Well, that's the problem because this is like, this is like the OG Marvel movie as far as timeline wise, besides like maybe Captain, Captain America. America. But so like they, they had a problem where like, okay, they introduced Captain Marvel but where was she that whole time when they started the Avengers and everything like that? So th- I think that's that's one of the problems when you do these kind of prequels to what most of the movies are in this uh, current timeline. Uh, but for me, I really liked this movie. I thought it was great. Uh, you know, people have problems with Brie Larson. I thought she was fine, you know? I thought she was actually pretty good. I think she got a bad rap. Um... But I think the star, without a doubt, is Ben Mendelsohn in this movie as the the scroll. Yeah, he is hilarious. Oh, he's very funny, and he, he is so good. He does his job very well of making you hate him, and then without even like trying or doing anything like special, just through his acting and the mm-hmm. story and the like, the dialogue he's given, he's able to make you like him. And that, it's not artificial. And if you follow Ben Mendelsohn uh, in his in his career. He is always playing villains, and you think, by watching most of this movie, you would think that he is the villain in this movie, and it turns out, spoiler, he's not. He's not. He's the he's victim. Good, he is the victim, and that's and that kind of the subversion of expectations is what I really like uh, when these uh, comic book movies, these Marvel movies do. They subvert your expectations, which is why, just a side note, I really, really like Iron Man 3. People didn't like what they did with the Mandarin. Because it was supposed to be a big villain in in the comics. Oh, I thought and it was funny. I thought it was great because it's a subversion of expectations, and I felt that same way with Ben Mendelsohn's character in this movie. And I just really uh, dug what they did with Nick Fury. Like you said, he was he was one of the best parts as well. The action is really good. Um, I just really 
really like this movie. And uh, although, granted, even though this is my number nine of the year, I think it's a little bit of a weak year in general. And so I would st- I would still consider this like mid Marvel. I wouldn't give the I wouldn't put this in like my top ten Marvel movies. No, but it's still a really fun time. I should make that list. But I'm like, you, what I'm gonna say is like the story, the actors, like. All of that was great, and that's why, kind of like what you said, if this was a top ten, like, if I had a better, more movies, like, you would definitely see this more, but it's just, like, the way this turned out for me, it was, like, it was great acting, Mm -hmm. great, like, I I enjoyed the story, um, but the thing that bothered me was that, because I came in with recently seeing a lot of Marvel movies, and I then went into this, I had, fresh in my head, a timeline. So there were two things that got me. One was, like, she just goes, my planet needs me, to the other side of space. And I'm like, why did the Guardians of the Galaxy ever see her? But, like, whatever. Um, Then the second part was that it's supposed to be the OG movie. It's supposed to be the second timeline movie. Mm -hmm. Well, second and a half, if you count, like, the endgame, like, time travel. But, like, if you... It's supposed to be the second, like, OG movie in the timeline. But there's a problem. At the end of Captain America... We see the Tesseract fall into the ocean. Right. It just appears here, and we're just supposed to say, expect that they just found it. Now, I'm... It's very... When I have to stop and think, where'd they get this? Like, because it just appears in a lunchbox. I'm like, no! That's supposed to be in the Arctic! <laughs> like, because they, like, they're supposed to... Oh, we found Captain America. So you found Captain America, like, 30 years after you found the small cube you found a human being after you found the small cube in the middle of the ocean here's what i'll say mike i don't care i just i don't care i just want a good movie you know you're always gonna have these kind of plot conveniences and everything like that i really don't care personally i know you do obviously you do it just bothered me so much i get it i get it but you know i still really like the movie yeah you know, again, it's not one of the best Marvel movies, but it's definitely a good time. It feel it's it's a good time, but kind of like John Wick three, it feels like if this didn't happen, but like if you Captain, just introduced it, Captain Marvel in uh, the Avengers, game, it would have been fine. It would have been fine. It would have been lazy, but it would have been fine. And I appreciate them doing this. Yeah. But at the same time, this feels like oh, we have this timeline. Let me just put a square in here and say this happened exactly. And so that's why I mean, it's just. It's a good... It's okay. It's a nice cable watch. 6.5, 7 out of 10 cable watch. I watch on TNT. All right, so now to get into my top 10, uh, starting with number 10, it is uh, Fire, which is the Netflix documentary about the Fire Festival. Oh, I could have put that on here. (laughs) You you saw that one? I saw the Netflix one, not the Hulu one. Okay. I did like that. I I watched both. I like this one better. Um, just because I think it gives a better detail of what actually happened. You get better interviews because really the Hulu one is known for, uh, interviewing, uh, the, the big scumbag who, uh, ran, uh, the fire Billy. festival, Billy McFarland. But you get, uh, some really great interviews here. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, the one with the whole meme where the guy had to like... I was fully prepared to go into that office yes. in, in blank. That comes from this movie. It's just really in, intriguing. It kept me uh, interested throughout the whole thing. And like I said, I, I do prefer this one over the Hulu one. 
but the the Hulu one's interesting just because you get Billy's side of things, even yeah. though he's he's a bullshitter. Like he's oh, obviously yeah. lying he's in to jail. his teeth, and he's also in jail. He's literally in a white collar jail. <clears throat> I remember um, he's in the same jail as Mike. The situation. Yes, he is. Oh, and they're great. friends. They are. They are friends. Oh, I'd love that. I would love that as an MTV show. Can yeah, you why, imagine? why don't you put that on? Uh, was it uh, the? Jersey Shore family vacation, whatever the hell's going on right now. I would just want a live stream of them in the same cell, just like, them just bullshitting ideas. That would be interesting, too. But, um... But, yeah, I mean, it's a a really good documentary, and and you you said you watched this, right? So, I... So, where where would you put this on If I had put this, I would put this in my top five. Okay, because there I, you go. I'm actually I'm actually someone who works in event management with yeah. like that sort of like setting up events and like public relations with people. So I had this very weird experience of seeing Billy, like seeing him lie and seeing these lies grow. Yeah. And it's something, and it's the same thing I've heard from bosses for the past four years. Mm-hmm. But except the problem is, with the bosses I have, they can lie, and either it's my job to white lie it to people and like make it seem like less big. Yeah. Or like, or or they lie, or they de- downplay something and they fix it later mm-hmm. because we we're prepared to like if we lie about something now we we're prepared to make it truth later. Yeah. Um. With Billy, he's just a dirtbag. You see the lies, but like, oh, we're have these tents. They're not gonna have these tents. And I have immediate flashbacks to us making promises to sponsors and stuff, saying yeah. you're gonna have this, and instead we maybe don't deliver on like one of the things and mm-hmm. we try and like make it up to them by like replacing it with something of equal value. Yeah. And just he goes, No, you get like a cheese sandwich in a tent. And I'm like, oh I'm like having existential panic about this right now. But it's it's certainly it's uh, so, fascinating. It's so fascinating that this actually kind of happened. Not really. I mean it but the happens. fact it went so far as it did, I mean yeah, you didn't have the music blacks or anything, but and, and then the last part, which people don't talk about, which is him trying again, saying we have tickets to the Met Gala. Yeah. And I'm just thinking oh, It's great. It's great. You so, you beautiful man, I hope you get shanked. Yes. So that's available right now on Netflix. You can watch it. That's my number ten fire on Netflix right now. Very good. Uh number nine, I just said Captain Marvel, we talked about that. Number eight. Another Netflix documentary called Knocking Down the House. Now, this is a uh, documentary mostly centered around Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but it also follows uh, a few other uh, women from the, uh, what was it, midterm elections last year. And it's no matter what your politics are, this is just a really inspirational story about how you know, AOC was a bartender, and then she just decided to run for office, and she put the work in, she got uh, elected, and that's what really uh, our system, our government should be about, electing these officials that actually want to be there. She obviously wants to change, and, you know, the other few that they follow, very minor parts in the movie, but they all lose, but they're all grassroots campaigns and they did put up a showing they did you know do their best and they obviously want change in this country so you might be annoyed by AOC if you're on the other side of the aisle but at the same time it's super inspirational it made me want to get into politics even though that's never going to happen but uh it's just a really really good documentary that I think premiered at Sundance and Netflix picked it up definitely give this a watch on Netflix it's it's really short it's 86 minutes so it's it's a quick quick watch and uh, definitely worth your time. I'll say this: it seems like currently we're in this good trend of politics movies being good because we just had Ginsburg, and RBG, yeah. Yep, sorry, yeah, RBG. And um, I know. Wait, was was Vice this year? Last year, the Vice was last year. Vice, I liked Vice. You didn't. Did not like Vice. But I I'm enjoying <laughs> this trend of 
like more of political movies coming out and it's not just fluff pieces like RBG was kind of fluff but it was also kind of honest too yeah. and I'm going to be perfectly honest we're getting more people who I want to see it about because right. you have uh, Sotomayor the the um, Supreme Court Justice mm-hmm. who it's not the same thing as uh, Cortez but like also someone from New York yeah. um, from I think the Bronx and yeah. just she worked her way up and she got to the Supreme Court and she was like the first she was like I, she wasn't the first woman she was like the first minority woman I think maybe yeah and um, so I care about that because it's a very interesting story you also have the uh, Beto O'Rourke documentary on HBO, I believe. I haven't watched that one. I think it's called Running with Beto. That's another one that made it uh, on the, the indie um, festival circuit. Haven't seen that one, but yeah. Knocking Down a House, really good movie. It, it's just dragged down by the other three women. Like I, I, I do like some of them. You like, just care more, you care more about one. Yeah. I wish it was just about AOC because it's fascinating how much work she put into it and how... Months before, she was just a bartender. And even when she started her campaign, she was still bartending at night. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move to seven to five. Mike, what's your number seven? My number seven, if I can get the thing back up, is... My number seven is Glass. Glass, okay, yeah. So, that, that just uh, missed my top ten. So the reason I put it here is because um, after being used... Me and Bobby saw it in a special, in a special way because we saw it premiere night and we also saw it... Uh, after we saw uh, Unbreakable and Split. Yeah. And we saw it in a trilogy at Alamo Draft House. For free. For, was it for, Oh, yeah! For free. You got this, yeah, you yes. had the you had the ticket air. And with M. Night there with the live Q&A. And so. I won the shirt, which, yes. after you left, and you got and you got jacked by a photo. You couldn't get the photo I you did. wanted. I couldn't get a photo with that. Um, but I will say this. I originally left that movie thinking that I liked the way I left that movie was I thought because I'd seen all three I like Split the best and that's still up top for me. Yeah. Then I liked Glass. Then I liked Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went back and rewatched Glass, and I realized wow, they really made those characters look like absolute dog shit. Well, <laughs> they drown. They, this movie's kind of old. Like the way that movie ends for Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, it's not satisfying. It's not satisfying at all. But I can understand it, though. It's it's ballsy the way that they do it. It's very. And it's really more of an origin story for the other superheroes that are coming after. Yes, it is. So, so yeah. I, I guess this is going to... This all depends on how this works out with with sequel like Wait, we're also really spoiling all these movies aren't we we kind of are. Well, I didn't say <laughs> I didn't say what happened to those three characters sure but like I'm saying right well also you can't have a movie review thing if you can't spoil like some of that I'm trying to like avoid it after I accidentally did the thing with uh the first one but it depends on what happens next because mm-hmm. if this is a launching pad it'll feel better because it'll spring up to me right. but like if nothing happens and this is how this trilogy of movies ends and be like that was super disappointing and that's what but like the thing that saves it for me from being like a number 10 is that i really enjoyed the acting because like all three actors are phenomenal Great. even bruce willis brings bruce, it bruce willis brings it i i still think that i like bruce willis's acting in this more than unbreakable but mm. oh, i interesting but i still but i think i will prefer unbreakable over this now okay because uh you got me back on that train i love unbreakable, unbreakable after you yeah after we talked it's, about it i rewatched it, it it's was like, phenomenal mm. it's my favorite out of the three and yeah i i really enjoy glass too um it's definitely again for better or worse it's another case where 
M. Night subverts your expectations of what it's going to be. Yes. People expected big action set pieces when it's it's not really that it's, at all. It's which all I, I, I think will uh, improve my uh, thoughts on the movie seeing it a second time when I do revisit it because now I know what to expect. We didn't really know what to expect when we saw this. Yeah. So now that I know what's going to happen, I think I'm going to like it a little bit more. So I think the thing that also got me was after seeing Split, Split, like Unbreakable... Is this grandiose? Is this kind of grandiose thing where it's all across Philadelphia? Yeah. You see, split. It's in three settings: like the therapist's office, the parking lot of the restaurant, and the underground lair. Pretty much. And I guess after seeing that, I was thinking, okay, now we're done with that. What do you mean three fourths of this movie's in an insane asylum? And like, yeah. it's just all the same place. I'm like, okay, and that kind of just bothered me a little bit, but. You know, it was it was a good movie. I wish, like I said, for right now, it's lower on the list for me. But if in two years' time, like, they do some more superhero stuff, it, it will feel better to me. This could obviously go up a space or two, and I'd yeah. have better things to say about it. We're definitely in the minority by liking this movie, too. A lot of, most of the people don't like this movie, and... The, I didn't hate it. I didn't, I really, I liked the movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely still on the M. Night train. Oh, so. no, I'm, I'm, I, I used, to, I still make fun of M. Night, but I still like a lot of his movies. All right, Mike, number six. Number six for me is Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Ooh, okay. All right, so this movie and the next one are very similar to me in the sense that they had great moments, Mm -hmm. but they, to me, felt very okay. But the thing that that saves Pokemon Detective Pikachu for me is Ryan Reynolds. He is literally, like, um, Justice Smith, is that the main person? Justice Smith is a terrible actor. I liked him in this movie way more than when uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He is terrible in that Okay, he's terrible in that, too. I think he's pretty good in this one. He's better in this, but I still don't think that... I think when I put him next to Ryan Reynolds, I'm like, you are trash, kid. Yeah, well... But... And it was was a fun movie. I saw it by myself. I didn't see this with you. I saw it by myself in New York City, and I got my Pokemon cards. Ooh, look at this. And super excited. And it was almost like seeing... This, it was almost like um, the Scooby-Doo WWE movie in the sense that you see this world behind the movie mm-hmm. and you're like so like I want to look, look what's all around this I want to see yeah. like how this world exists great, great world building oh totally great world building and you don't need to explain it no. because all the kids know what's going on even most of the adults know what's going on we're yeah. going to see this so like I love the fact that they don't have to explain what a Pokemon is yeah. like they do at the beginning of every Pokemon movie. It's just a fun time in the theater. Again, it's kind of like Captain Marvel, even though I like Captain Marvel more. Uh, yeah, Detective Pikachu, good, good start. I hope there's more to this. I hope I, they I make more Pokemon movies because this was, and especially like I said, the the world building is great. Um, and it you know it's a it's a fun story. Like, it's a return. You know, it's not going to be a masterpiece, but it's a good time. It's a return for me because the last time like Nintendo made a movie, I think was honestly the Super Nintendo, like Super Mario Bros. movie, yeah. and they that poisoned the well real hard for them. So they came back, and to give a solid seven out of ten, and like for me to leave the th- and for me to this day, I'm not going to forget like. Another cup, sweetie. Uh, black is your black is night. Thank you very much. Ah, it's like the scream. Yeah, it's there are parts of the movie that are like baked in, yeah. and that's something that I appreciate. However, if nostalgia, it nostalgia helps. Yeah. However, the next movie's nostalgia helps it more. Sure. And what's your next movie, Mike? Toy Story Four. Toy Story Four. That's your number five. Yes. That's my six. Yeah. So we could talk about this. Yes. Okay. So like. 
to tell you, I I was a Pokemon fan, but I was bigger Toy Story. Fan. I enjoyed sure. Toy Story more than Pokemon. And once again, and I did not want Toy Story four. No, I don't I think still, anybody did. I still don't think I need Toy Story four. Nope. But I appreciate Toy Story four. I do too, and you know. I think it falls into the same uh, traps as most Toy Story movies where it hits the same beats as the other ones where they, the toys get separated, the other toys have to go and find them. It's it, you know, it's kind of the same film in that sense, but you get some great new characters. Um, although, I wish that there was more buzz in this movie. He seemed like a real idiot. Like, it, it seems like since the first one, he's gotten, gotten less and less in each uh, movie. I thought he was great in 3. He he was great in because, three because like they made him like a but legit- he didn't have an arc. Yeah, it was like oh he's Spanish Buzz. It's great. It's a great bit. Yeah, but I don't feel like you know he was used to his fullest potential. See, for me, I'm happy Buzz wasn't used as much because this was a Woody movie. It was. and I feel like every time you've had a Toy Story movie, you have the you have the Woody arc, you have the Buzz arc, and last in the three it was like Buzz slash the rest mm-hmm. arc. And for this, I'm happy that Buzz wasn't a main focus because mm-hmm. that allowed Woody to shine. It allowed for the rest of the world to develop. Yeah. And while Buzz did have his points, I will think that he did them very well. And like, Bo Peep coming back in this movie was great. I thought uh, uh, Annie Potts was really good as Bo Peep. I like where they took that character as oh, well. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, it's just, again, Pixar doesn't make bad movies. Like, all of them are pretty good. There's only two movies I can think of that, like, that could be considered factually bad, and that's Cars 2 and Good Dinosaur. I, I haven't seen either. For me, at least, Pixar doesn't make bad movies. Yeah. There might be a couple stinkers in there. Cars 3 but, was great, though. I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. But, but anyway, but, Toy yeah. Story 4. I mean, is this the end of the Toy Story movies? Who knows? They might spin off. I don't think you can do another Toy Story movie. Without, I'm, I would without be fine Woody. if there was mini, if there was like a mini thing on the Netflix uh, on the Disney Netflix, yeah. which is um like they could do it. They can do a show like they do, like uh, Key and Peele and Woody and Bo Peep, like a bunny and uh, that could be and like saving other toys. I'm like that'd be kind of cool. Like uh, I mean, they're doing the a Monsters Monsters Inc. show. Yeah, on the uh, Disney Plus, so it's possible. I think. Yeah, and I think also just to be perfectly clear, the, there was one part that really bothered me in this movie, and it was that. They really, really kind of devalued the sense that the toys can't interact with human beings. Kind of, yeah. Because there are points where they go, let's put the jail in, let's put the dad in jail. Yeah. And they're just messing and talking to the humans. Like the di- Trixie the dinosaur is talking to the human. It was um, really weird. Buzz Lightyear literally yells at the human, your backpack. I'm like, this is very, very, very weird to me. But I can, like, appreciate it because they tried it. They, yeah. they, they tried it. They had a, a story arc. And they didn't break it. They just bent it. The movie, I don't think it's a masterpiece like no. the other three are. Three is I think three. The, the first three are... Well, number the first one, I think, is a masterpiece. Even though you you watch it back, the animation isn't as great because it's the first computer anima- animated movie ever. Yeah. But the story itself is so good. Two and three are great. This is my least favorite Toy Story movie, but at the same time, it's still a great movie. I'm also going to say this real quick before we move on. Four is the best looking animated movie I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. Like, the fact that the scene in the beginning, and I I feel sure I could spoil this because it's implied by the trailers, when um, Woody and Bo Peep are under the car mm-hmm. and it's raining and you see Bo Peep's like pla- like glossy plastic 
sort of reflect the light of the awesome. rain, and you see Woody, who's like supposed to be like not felt, but like you know, fluff sort of. Yeah. And you see how he <clears throat> reflects light, and like you see it shining off his eyes because it's plastic. And I'm thinking. Oh, this, like, 1994 Toy Story, eat your heart out. Yeah, you compare them side to side. It's like, it's the humans literally are no horrifying. comparison. Sid is horrifying. It's, it's bad, but what saves that movie is, it's, a, it's still a great story. Oh, it's... I love the story. Oh, yes, totally. So, would you say that Toy Story 4 is your least favorite as well? Yes, the Toy Story yes. Franchise? I would say okay. Toy Story 4 is my least favorite. Alright, so that is your 7 to 5. To get into mine real quick, uh, number 7, I'm pretty sure is going to be on... Your top five, Shazam. Yes. Shazam. Really, like, this is a great movie. And we saw this this before. We saw it at Draft House um, before NXT uh, TakeOver 4 or 5. Whichever one. Whichever. And it was, um, that was like, we both enjoyed this. This is a just a really funny movie as well. Yeah. I love what they did with the character because this is a character that not everybody knows. They did a great job introducing him. Um, I thought the side characters again was really really good. The uh, whole family that uh, what's his name, the little kid has uh, Billy. What's what Shazam when he's not Shazam? Billy Batson. Billy Batson. Billy, right? Batson. Billy Batson's family. His whole thing with uh, his background with his fam- his real family yeah. and getting adopted into this new one. I thought it was really, really touching. Um, you know, the villain is what it is, right? I mean, the villain isn't that... The villain had a really good story. Like, I... I it was... It was the, the boardroom scene thing. is unbelievable, though. The boardroom scene reminds me... It's insane. So the boardroom scene is, I think, this generation's Spider-Man 2 hospital scene. That's that's fair. And I think, like... Because I remember when I watched that movie, like, the doctor screaming and her nails clawing at the ground as the tentacle pulls her into the shadows. Uh-huh. That terrified the shit out of me as a kid. And So this yeah. one is, like, them pounding against the door and then the bad thing happens. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying it's just and really it's, encouraging and it shows that like this movie like could have gone farther and i'm glad they didn't yeah they they kind of it's a thing where like we saw this a lot of times back in the day where it would be kind of because this is more of like a kids movie it's it's you know it's not like adult oriented this but is like it's the, like it has dark aspects to what we would see in this is older the, kids movies this is the perfect pg-13 movie it is it really is and I'm just so encouraged that DC's finally getting their act together. Yeah. Like, if they can continue to produce these kinds of movies, like, I'm so hyped for Joker yeah. in October or November, whenever it comes out. If they keep this track record and they don't worry about, you know, linking everything together, if we get these kinds of movies every time out, this is, they're going to be on the right path. Literally, the only link is at the end. If, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And, like... I I honestly am happy. Like the child actors were good. There yeah. was like the only child actor I really hated was the little little sister. Sure, and like you were kind of annoying. But then Zach they, Levi is amazing. Zach though, Levi is amazing. Shazam. He he brings that kind of like childlike um, enthusiasm to the character, yes, which is very totally. much needed. Spot on, pitch perfect casting. The one and uh, I'm I'll, I think this was this was my number four. Okay, and I think that it was a bit higher is just because after seeing like the schlock of DC mm-hmm. and then I saw it kind of go up with Aquaman I'm like okay you're, you're, you're getting real good now and it like really encouraged me and it felt me it made me feel really good I mean we have Joker this year and then we have uh, Wonder Woman coming yeah. out next year 84 85 whatever it is uh, so yeah 
DC on the right path. I love it. And I would argue that I'm more excited for these upcoming DC movies more than the Marvel movies. And that's just in case also be too because we don't really have a slate yet. Yeah, we don't. We'll be talking about that uh, in a couple weeks when uh, they have their Comic-Con panel and they release every movie that the, that's going to be coming out. Mm. But I'm super excited for these DC movies uh, on the way. Mm. So that was my number seven. Number six was Toy Story 4. Number five is a movie called Booksmart, which is uh, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. It has Beanie Feldstein and uh, Caitlin Deaver. This is... I mean, people com- compare it to like the female Superbad... Personally, I'm in the minority to where I can't stand Superbad. You're very much in the minority. I hate that movie. I love that movie. I love this movie. It is so true to, you know, talk about a time capsule of what 2019 is. This is what 2019 is for teenagers. It is so good. Hilarious movie. You know, not everything clicks. There's a character um, played by Billy Lord that I don't particularly care for. It's more of a character caricature but um it's just really really good this is another one of these coming of age movies that we've been getting lately that hit the nail on the head is it better than eighth grade i don't think so okay it's a shade under eighth grade but we have eighth grade we had this movie edge of 17 we've had Lady Bird. there's been so many great coming of age movies and all those by the way uh female-led movies it's just fascinating not eighth grade that was oh, oh I'm sorry led you're right yeah, yeah female led movies sorry I was thinking Bo Burnham but he didn't lead it he just directed uh, character wise yes. female led movies that we've been getting that have just been phenomenal I love this movie nobody saw it unfortunately I didn't see it nobody I, saw this I, I movie I saw the trailer and I didn't pick up that it was going to be a female super bad it, it but that's what they're comparing it to I wouldn't say that I mean it's just it's kind of lazy because Beanie Feldstein is Jonah Hill's little sister I think that's, like, the big reason why they're calling it the female super bad because, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's original on itself. It's so, so good. And this is why I like having the podcast now because maybe for a lot of these people that uh, – of you guys that are listening that have never heard of Booksmart, this is a movie you would really, really do yourself a favor in watching. Yeah. It's hilarious. I'm sure it will be coming out on uh, digital and Blu-ray soon or whatever. Go watch this movie. Support this movie. Um, Booksmart. Great movie. My number five movie of the year so far. Now, Mike, we're getting into the top four now. Yeah. What's your number four? It, my number four was Shazam. So we Shazam. already, we already okay. talked about it. So I'll, I'll, I'll do my number four then. All right. Another movie that nobody saw. Late Night. Uh, with, starring Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling. Oh, I saw this. I wanted to see this. This is a great, great movie about uh, Emma Thompson's character, who is the only uh, late-night female talk show host. And she's been on the air for a while now, uh, going on for like 20-something years or whatever like that. Yeah. And her whole writer's room is all males, so she brings in Mindy Kaling to bring a little spice to it. And... It's just a really funny movie that reminds me of, like, kind of reminds me of Devil Wears Prada in the fact that you get, like, this outsider coming into this industry where she's not really familiar with because Mindy Kaling in this in this movie isn't a, a comedy writer, but she adds something to the team to where <clears throat> she becomes valued and becomes a confidant of Emma Thompson's uh, character. 
and it's just really, really funny. I I I've seen the trailers for this on YouTube because yeah. it like plays as ads for like the the garbage I watch. It had a really big marketing push and nobody saw it. So like I'll come out and say it. I hate Mindy Thompson. I I don't like her. Like, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling. Okay. Yeah. I think that I her whole spiel in the office and just like well she she wrote this movie too. Yeah, and I I I've never really liked her as an actress because I just always feel like her shtick is just hyperactive, squeaky voice sort of thing. Sure. But She's what, very toned down in this movie. And that's what I saw in the trailer. Yeah. And I saw that. I was thinking, okay, you're leveling yourself back. You're going a bit more into... You're kind of going to office mode with a little bit of the, like, the awkward humor. Sure. And just in the trailer, I'm like, I want to see this. I did not get to see it, but like, I'm happy that's good. It in seems. and out of theaters real fast. It's a shame because, again, with this one, with Booksmart, it's these smaller movies. And this is actually a general conversation about comedies in, in uh, going in theaters. None of them are hitting. None of them are making money. You know, they could be great. It's kind of like Longshot. I saw Longshot. That almost made my top ten as well. Uh, that's the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron movie that came out. It's more like a The journalist one. Yes. I wanted to see that too. I didn't know it came out. It came out. Again, nobody, nobody's seen comedies, which is a shame. And, you know, you can call this like the Netflix effect because it seems like a lot of these rom-coms that go on Netflix hit big. People want to see them on their TVs, but they don't necessarily want to go out and pay money to see them on the big screen, which is a shame, but I really like Late Night. Uh, Amazon distributed this movie, so you're probably going to be seeing this pop up on Amazon Prime Video very soon, which is one of of the um, bigger positives of this movie, that you can access it eventually, it'll... But as far as box office wise, it did not do well. Neither did Booksmart, like I said. That's a shame. Please go watch these movies. You're not going to regret it. Booksmart at number five. Late Night at number four. Mike, what's your number three? My number three is Us. That's my number two. Ooh, we're we're very close. We're very close. Yeah. All right. So um, we don't want to have a big conversation about this because we can literally have a whole podcast about this movie. It is fascinating so going into us i hadn't seen I, but you crucified you got annoyed me for this i told you i had not seen get out Which but you, i had read it yes and i see directed I, by jordan i had seen knife now subsequently seen get out mm-hmm. um i went us knowing that it that it was supposed to that what his previous work had cumul had brought out of people and what it, it was like and it's, what it says about greater society and yeah there's a lot jordan peele's movies uh, have a lot of um, subliminal messaging, or in us, it's kind of straightforward. But yeah. there's also little stuff that you can catch in there about you know how he talks about societal stuff. In terms of us, I I went in thinking, okay, it's not going to hit the same points as um, as Get Out because that would be lazy, and I think that he's a better director than that. I yeah. feel like it's not going to be the same sort of cultural appropriation mindset. It's going to be okay. There's something else going on here. I'm mm-hmm. curious. And leaving, me and you in the car talking about it was really fun. We That's when we should have had a microphone. Just yeah. talking through what we saw. Yeah. And I think both I, of us I came said, around to it, though. Because we both saw different things that the other person had it. Yeah, there's a, that's the thing, too. Um, I thought that Us reveals a little bit too much. But at the same time, there's still so much layered in there. Kind of like Get Out. Uh, although, I don't think anybody's saying that Us is better than Get Out. But at the same time, this is a fantastic movie for me. Um, and I know that you, you kind of liked it the more that you thought about it, right? Yeah, I came out of it thinking it was okay. And then that we started... I think both of us did, yeah. Yeah, it was like, okay. And I was like, man, 
they just like spelled everything out but then you start talking about it more and it's like you start to realize there's layers and like other aspects building up the world yeah i'm like okay i can dig this um the one part i'm like I will, and I will even say once again, the child actors were great. Everybody and in this movie was. There great. was one part I really didn't like, and it was like they did really well when they had the same actor on screen on both sides, mm-hmm. except for one part, and it's the end when they're in the tunnel, and it's like sure on, in front of the chalkboard, yeah. and it looks super bad. Can I just say Elizabeth Moss in this movie? So creepy when she's cutting her face. That is like an image I still think about. Oh yeah, when she's like taken over and she whatever. When she, the way that she just makes these facial expressions, it is one of the most horrifying things I've seen in a long time. She is so everybody in she this make, movie pitch perfect. She makes facial expressions, but people a lot of time actors are, are criticized for saying like their face seems empty, like they're making a sure. face. She makes it seem like it's empty, like the f- smile is like there's nothing behind the smile yeah. in the best way possible. It's a it's a shame that she's a Scientologist. Is she really? Yeah. Oh well. Well, she knows how to do creepy. So then. I can't praise her too much. Well, yeah, she, that's true. Yeah, she she can draw naturally from her exactly. Creepiness. And also, real quick, um, the main actress in this movie, um, Peter Nyong'o. Did you see the backstage footage of her? Like, she stayed in character when she was like in the red suit version. Oh, I didn't see like, that. Like, w- like she would have conversations with uh with with uh Jordan Peele and the set people mm-hmm. like. In the like crackly voice, that's and really, like, yeah. and she would like stay in it, and I'm like, oh. that must have killed her voice. Oh yeah, she probably said. I uh, the way he shot it, he said was he did like the physically demanding scenes mm-hmm. like first, and then he would do like the other scenes like second. And Makes I'm just sense. thinking like, God, you probably like I would not want to have to do the the create like her action scenes like mm-hmm. the dancing scene, and the next day have to like be normal person. Yeah, that's because wild, like, isn't it? oh gosh. That that's what uh, fascinates me about these actors <clears throat> that stay in character. It's like how do they do it, and then just naturally transition to being a normal person. Again. Well, you have people like Jim Carrey who are dickheads about it. Oh yeah, I which by the way, <clears throat> Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond on Netflix came out a couple years ago about him and Man on the Moon. We're getting sidetracked here. That is probably uh, my favorite documentary of all time. Interesting. On Netflix right now. Interesting. But yeah, Us, All right. Us incredible movie. I love this movie. Again, another one that I can't wait to rewatch. I actually saw it twice in the theaters. I saw it with you the first time. Or did I see it? You saw it the first time with me. First time with you, and I rewatched it again in theaters. Great, great movie. Highly recommend it. Um, I don't know if it's scary per se it's jumpy like you make it's fun a little of, jumpy you make fun of me in the theater well, because yeah, i jump hilarious. a bunch it's hilarious because like, we're sitting next to each other and then he'll just feel like because i always see it coming and you don't and you still jump <laughs> no i see yeah sometimes i see it coming sometimes i don't i still jump and it's like gets a laugh out of it even if it's like a sudden shift in my movement yeah um but anyway yeah that was my number three so that's my number eight two. out of ten like eight out of ten I, i'd probably go nine um nine yeah I, it's I'm, fantastic it's fan it's a very good movie it. but get out is literally uh, it's going to go down as one of the best movies of uh, the 21st century. Oh, yes, yes. In my opinion. So I was, love it. It's so was your three? Um, three, I'm not going to go too much into this because unless you've watched the show, you're not going to have any emotional attachment to this movie. Deadwood the movie. No. On HBO. I love this show, and this movie is incredible. Um, this is a show that went like three seasons. It got canceled, and it's been like ten years yeah. Since uh, or probably more than that, since the show got canceled and everybody came back. This is a huge cast. 
It's got Timothy Oliphant. It's got Ian McShane, uh, Molly Parker. It's a bunch of character actors that you've seen in other things before. And but this this predates everybody pretty much blowing up. And to get everybody together, it's it's been years in the making. This movie to get everybody together was a feat in itself. But then the fact that David Milch, who created, wrote, directed some of the episodes of the show, came back to write the script. It's a different director. It's like they never left. It's a natural progression of the story. I love where it went. It's extremely emotional. It's got the same uh, flavor of the show. So if you watch the show, which I'm sure not many people have because obviously it got canceled short. Mm. But if you've watched the show and you love the show, this is a must-watch. I love this movie. Is this the same sort of thing that I hear people talk about with Firefly? I mean, kind of. I'm Firefly sure. Firefly got a movie, didn't it? No, no, it didn't. It got the one season. And that's it. People have been wanting either a movie or, or a season. But sometimes you'll see um, these shows come back in either show form or sometimes even like movies. None of them ever touch the original original run. This is arguably just as good, if not better, that's, than the show. That's very impressive. It's great. I recommend you guys not only watch the show or not. Well. If you haven't seen the show, there's no point in watching the movie because you're going to be lost. Yeah. But watch the show and watch the movie. You're not, you're not going to regret it. It's phenomenal. Um, Ian McShane is this is probably his best role. It's in, so good. He nails his character. It's based in like the uh, the old west. It's like the uh, late 1800s. Yeah. So, but I've, this I've this heard... one actually picks up. Um, Right, uh, it's based in South Dakota. I've heard Dakota, about Deadwood yeah. and passing conversations. It's they don't talk like they're in that kind of timeline. It's kind of like modern talk a little bit. They, there's a lot of f bombs, uh, a lot of uh, I'm gonna curse, a lot of cocksuckers uh, being thrown around, especially by Ian McShane's character. Yeah. It's so good. I highly recommend the show. Watch the movie. Deadwood the movie is my number three. My number two is Us. I see. I'm, pre- I, I I'm see. pretty sure we have the same number one. We haven't mentioned this yeah, movie yet, but I've seen number. Well, we we kind of did. Um, but I've also I see my number two is different, and I see where you put my my number two on your list. Okay, what and was I'm your number very two? annoyed. What, what was your number two? Rocket Man. Okay, you well, put it as your number eleven. Oh right, we didn't go over your number two. My number ele- it barely missed the top ten. Yeah, we didn't go over my number two because like we're going back and forth now. Right. But like, your number two, your number eleven is Rocket Man. I'm disappointed. Listen. I'll defend this, but you you speak your piece first. So so for me, um, we're in this we're in the universe we're in like the '80s like rocker cinematic universe right now because mm-hmm. we just had Bohemian Rhapsody, which was good to me, but I think I, I think it was good, but I think it was overrated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a lot of glaring flaws. There was a lot of glaring flaws in that, and music- a lot of good energy. That the, I mean. That the concert scene at the end is oh the, that's the best part of the movie yeah, d- without a doubt. But like the rest of the movie is just kind of like it hits a lot of the same tropes as like the band's movie, like the yeah. the, the boyfriend or the the spouse or like uh, love interest mm-hmm. like separating the band and then like creative differences and yeah. all this and like best friend like losing family and stuff like that. They coming back around having one last show, yeah. even though it wasn't the last show, but you know, um, it's. Like, so then when I get to Rocket Man, it does it's the same genre of movie, uh-huh. but it does it so much better. Yeah. It does the music better because you have Targaryen not Targaryen, uh <laughs> Karen Edgerton. Edgerton. Uh <laughs> Tar- 
Taron Targaryen. That w- that's a hell of a name. He he won the Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, no spoilers. You have him like singing a lot of this because yeah. you saw him. In, I I saw him in Sing doing like I'm still standing, and then you have him singing I'm still standing as Elton John, and you have him singing all these songs, and then you have young the young actor also doing it. Like you have these grandiose second music videos mm-hmm. like music videos in the movie but they're like story driven yeah. and it's not lazy because it's not just cop the only one that copies a music video in real life is the last one and it's done for cinematic reason right and i just fell in love with this because it didn't shy away from a lot of stuff like bohemian rhapsody did mm-hmm. it didn't have to go through three other people because they're still it's about the queen man it's right. about the it was just, just about him. John. and he was like Involved and he didn't like try and make himself look didn't really good. sugarcoat himself. Yeah, and he's he said it about himself, so he's yeah. fine with it. And it just felt like it was something that I want more true to form like this. Yeah, and at the same time, I do think that while Bohemian Rap, I, the way I, I saw a reviewer say this, and I, it, it stuck with me. But both him and Freddie Mercury, Mercury, uh-huh. uh, Mercury. Ha- Mercury have. I'm, I'm very bad. Easy with for you to say. Um, ha- they were both. They both did drugs, and they were both gay, or at least Freddie, or at least he was bi. Whatever you want sure. to say. The Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, doesn't show a lot of drugs. It doesn't show. Uh, it kind of. Sh- you can watch the movie and not really think about him being gay. Rocket Man embraces all. Rocket of that. Man embraces them both. Yeah, and they go. Very head nose into that stuff. It's it's a really good movie. Where it falls short for me is it gets into the same kind of tropes that we see in a lot of musical biopics. Towards the end for me. Well, when they start bringing in the manager stuff, and then yes, at the end, it's just a lot of the same beats as you see in, in most musical biopics like Bohemian Rhapsody. But where it shines is when it goes fantastical. I love what Dexter Fletcher did, who also came in at the end of Bohemian Rhapsody to pick up from where Brian Singer left off. We don't know how how much he did in the process, but he did uh, direct a little bit of Bohemian Rhapsody. But he directed the hell out of those musical sequences. I love the ending where they pay tribute to I'm Still Standing, the music video. I, I just wish it was more of the crazy trippy elements where it's just so far different than what we've seen before to whereas we get the manager being a dick we get you know certain things here and there the the uh the obligatory musical uh montage of how he rises to fame it's those kind of things that it's like okay i've seen this before but karen edgerton i think Better than Rami Malek in Bohemian oh, very Rhapsody. Much so. Even though Rami won the Oscar, I would say uh, Edgerton is better than uh, Rami. But <clears throat> I still really, really like the movie. Yeah. And like it's, it's 11. When barely you've seen, th- missed when you've seen 30 something movies and it's 11, it's still a good movie. Oh, yeah. For and sure. uh, I'll also just say this the reason the, the hitting the beats didn't bother me as much is because you have the him hating his manager. And then. There's the pool scene, yeah, which is which direct, is which is directly involved from that, yeah. Because and then it goes fantastical, and, and it, it feels like every him, time yeah. they had to hit a beat, it's like if they do the like rise to fame, there was a crazy part of it that exactly. that kind of enhanced those. They did the tropes to get to the, the yes out there elements, yes. Uh, I just wish there was more of it. Okay, that's all it is. That's totally fair. Uh, I mean, uh, that's that's what. My main problem with the movie is everything else is really solid. Yeah. 
And again, it's kind of, it barely missed the top ten. Yeah. So that that was your number two. Yeah, and we both have the same number one. I we can do. guarantee it. Yeah. What is it, Mike? It's uh, it's Endgame. It is Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Come on. I mean, this is the ultimate culmination. I almost of, when I first was doing this know, list, I felt dirty putting it up there because I kind it of felt cheap. It felt cheap because I was like, of course it is, but like. This is something I'm never... I'm going to remember a lot of this movie. I will never forget my first time watching this movie. Yes. Just like I'll never forget in Infinity War, the ending. Being there with the crowd, seeing everybody react to the snap, it's something I'll never forget. And I'll never forget... I mean, I don't want to... Do, do we have to not spoil... Everyone's or, seen Endgame. When, when Tony Stark dies... I'll always remember the reaction. Every the sniffles around me, I could hear. I mean, everybody was emotional. In yeah. That, in that. The the thing about this is that you, I for the longest time did not see Endgame, and I had to, I had, and I did not know what Mr. Stark. I don't feel so good. Like I didn't know what that meant. Right. And so because I set my and well, that's Infinity War. Yeah. And so like what and what I mean is like I had not seen Infinity War right. for the longest time, and. I'm sorry if I said I didn't see Endgame for the longest time. I hadn't seen Infinity War for the longest time. Right. And I was starting to, like, people were starting to spoil, like, start, I was starting to, like, piece things together. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. I gotta go blast through all these. <laughs> and I went into this, and then I saw Captain Marvel, and then I was, you know, very caught up, and it felt really good. It was so good, And right? then, like, there's just so, like, the ending... It, of all of, the, of a huge fight when everyone just pops up and it's oh. very much cheap. Oh. It's very it's supposed like if I was supposed to be a like a uh, Siskel and Ebert sort of like just going through like it's like so pandering but it's like oh it's great pandering but oh listen, I'll take a I, dose I of this I don't think that's pandering I think that's rewarding everyone the scene who where has, who the- has watched these movies seeing everybody together you're gonna tell I think me that's what, what- Peter Parker. Handing off the cube or handing off the glove to I think Captain Marvel, and then all the women showing up isn't well. Pand- that's not pa- well. Yes, that's pandering. But the big shot, okay, of everybody coming back from the snap, we see everybody coming in, and right when Cap goes, uh, what is it, Avengers Assemble or something like that? Oh, and everybody, ri- like, come on, it was better. Than, come on, it was better than Infinity War. If you're not pumping your fist or just getting just overly emotional, if you're not one of those jerks who are clapping in the middle of the theater, something's wrong. No, that's the that's the male mic. Oh, I know. No, I meant like I meant as in something's wrong with you. If you're oh, not okay. Those people well, that too. There's something wrong with that too. Oh, if the males come in, something's wrong. <laughs> um, I I really enjoy this. It was three hours. It, it, it's very long. It's uh, very long. It, I, 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 I looked saw it at three this. times. In it's literally longer than The Godfather. And I usually The Godfather is my standard bearer of long movies. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't mind watching The Godfather. Yeah. And so when I saw this was like three minutes longer than Godfather, I was like, "Really?" There's a lot to put in there, there but also lot. it's longer credits with the with this one. Oh yeah, it is longer credits, and um, and now there's even longer because they put that deleted scene that I, I I don't care. Well, anyway, but I mean, come on, this is like the series finale of what we've invested all of our years of our lives with you. It's been a year. But for well, most... I see. I saw like the original. I saw like some of these. I saw the Avengers movies and okay. like the Iron Man movies in theaters, That's and fair. like I just had to like catch up on the series one right. and series twos. I never. I didn't see most of series two. I seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You know? So I mean, I love what they did with the tra- the time travel stuff. It doesn't make sense. 
No time oh, travel stuff a makes huge, sense. There's a huge plot hole in it that someone pointed out to me. I'm like, oh, that, I can't think about that. But listen, no time travel makes sense in any movie. It, it That's just how it is. But I love how they revisit the older uh, Marvel movies and you get to see, you know, certain characters interact with their older selves. Like the Captain America fight with himself yeah. is awesome. There's so many... That's America's uh, ass. That is America's ass. There's so many great moments in this film, and it all comes together as one. It comes together as a satisfying finale. You mar- it's everything I ever you, wanted you from You have a, a giant mark out when it looks like he's about to have a second elevator fight. Well, Captain America's about to have oh, a second. And then so he just good. like... And he's like... So Hi-. good. He's like, Hell Hydra. And everyone's just like... <gasps> He, oh, oh, it uh, works. He's like, I oh, love it. He loses it. Oh, it's great. It is. I mean, everybody's seen this movie. It's but, so And at the great. same time, it does feel a little cheap to put it at one, but I legitimately think it is a wonderful movie that, you know, you might not have the same connection to if you haven't seen all the movies, but for anyone who has watched all, I think it's like 22, 23 movies, it's it's. Phenomenal, and yeah, no, I know. There's no, there's no topping, and now I've just got to go see the next Spider-Man. You got to see. You're behind on that, Mike. I'm gonna see it. It just came out. I saw it. Good for you. You saw it on like opening (laughs) night on July. I did not. You saw on July fourth. No, I didn't. You didn't go July fourth. Uh, no, I didn't. Wait, no. I did. Oh uh, yeah, I thought you said you were taking your girlfriend to see it July fourth. Oh Mike, don't spread all my news on this podcast. What's the matter with oh, you? Oh, you have a girlfriend. And plus, and also, the opening night wasn't July fourth. It was like July third. So oh, I'm so after. sorry. Thank you very much, Michael, and thank you for listening. We've come to the end of the podcast, our first episode. Remember when we said we would try to keep this under an hour? Can I guess how long it is? Guess hour thirty. Uh, close. We are at one twenty-eight thirty-two. Guys, yeah. But listen, we we talked about a lot it's of like movies. We had, here. we had ten movies. This is not. Way. It's not going to be like this every week. No, it's not. Uh, you know, next week we're going to have the Lion King. We're going to have a review of that. We're going to get some news. I'm sure we're not going to be talking about the Lion King for an hour. I don't want to talk about the Lion King. For, it's like I don't want to talk about the Lion King for ten minutes. I will see what happens. When are, when are we, yeah, we'll talk about when we're going to do this. Uh, I mean, I when the first reactions came out to that movie on Twitter, it it's was a, positive. It's like a 66 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's lower than that, I think. It I think lower? it's at like 59. Oh, let's go. Uh, and it's it. From what I'm hearing, it's my worst fears. But we'll discuss that next week. Mike, where can they find you uh, on the socials? Uh, you can find me on the socials. Well, at you know, Picture Perfect Twitter. I, I don't. Do well, that's not the the, the the name, Mike. It's Pick Perfect cast Pick on perfect twitter cast, yeah and uh you can find us on facebook at picture perfect and you can find me on twitter at uh at michael b underscore 96 and i'm at bobby is gross get it because my last name is gross bobby oh, is gross oh thanks mike i really appreciate it and uh that's it thank you for listening we would love to hear your feedback uh besides that this episode is too long we understand that we're very well aware that it is too long but like i said we're gonna keep it to under an hour uh from here going forward thank you for listening everybody we hope to hear from you and uh stay tuned next week where we review the lion king all right here we'll see you then